the nurse said, get your daughter away from Paul. He's bad news. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody has uh, has had a great week. Um, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, it's a little rainy and chilly here right now. How's it in Portland? Uh, I was just telling mom off air that it's been very temperamental for the past like week. Um, for an hour, it'll be like sunny and like 60 and really nice and warm. And then the next hour, it is freezing cold, downpour rain for an hour. And then it'll be sunny for another hour. And then it'll downpour again for another hour. So it's just yeah. literally for a week, it's ha- it hasn't picked a, picked a condition yet. Yeah. That's I mean, like Saturday, it was in the 80s. It was beautiful. Then Sunday, yeah. it got cold. Monday, we got snow. Um, <laughs> then yesterday, it was kind of nice. And then today, yeah. it's been cold. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, it's supposed to be in like almost 80. So. Yeah. I was really hoping we'd get a big snowstorm <sighs> since we're going to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> when they can get the snowstorm after we get on the plane and in the air. It would be fun to leave in the middle of a snowstorm. Would it? Would it? Yeah. No, you don't fly out in the middle of a snowstorm. No. I, I think you would be many times. I remember being I remember being like stuck up in the air trying to fly into Florida because there was like hurricane weather. Or, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure it wasn't a hurricane, but like it was such bad weather that we couldn't land. It wasn't safe for us to land. So we like we're just like taxiing up in the air. That happened to us last time we oh. went. I think it was fog, but you know, I we, know ours, it was like we, it was it was it, like during hurricane season, so it was like hurricane weather ish, but or maybe but, a tornado. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I know I've told you guys my story about landing. In Detroit, in the snowstorm, and we went off the runway. Yeah, the plane did. Yeah, I this wasn't well. Now that you guys are going to Florida, it is still pertinent, but uh, not to deal with snowstorm. But I always remember the time we flew down to Florida, and like literally, as like we're like going down to like land, the like pilot gets (laughs) intercom and is like, "Hey, so we calculated the distance of the runway, and it's too short." So we're gonna have to do like a really, really quick uh yeah, landing. It wasn't it was you were there. You were with us. I don't remember this. And like yeah. it was, he was like, we're gonna have to stop really, really quickly. Um, you might have to brace for impact. And we're just like it was, what? Yeah, it was awesome. He's like, Yeah, we um miscalculated the runway and was it an April Fool's joke? No, we actually had to stop. Like we literally slammed on the brakes as soon as we hit the tarmac. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well that was in um that was when we were on the cruise. No, that was I don't know. No, that for sure was us flying down to Florida. It might have been the trip that we went on cruise. But it was us flying to Florida. How's my boy? What's that in your mouth? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was you were like, what did he just say? What did he just we're gonna crash? <laughs> and he did it so calmly too. He was like, Yeah, yeah we calculated it, but we were wrong. Um, so 
So we're going to have to crash land. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And we landed like, I remember we landed at an airport that like you just got off on the tarmac. Like they just you opened the like. It was a steps, but it was almost a ladder getting up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, well, now get off. Get off, get off. <laughs> I got lots of uh, flying stories. But anyways, <laughs> let's get on with the show. Um, Jesse, do you got some history facts for us? I got some unexplained mystery history facts. Okay. Um, I got a couple of them today. Okay. Both of them are dealing with, like... Art, I guess, if you want to call it. But um, one is the death of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, he's well. He's a well-known author, um, known for his poem "The Raven." I think that's his most well-known poem. But um, short stories, poetry. Um, most of his work is very dark and mysterious. So you know, the themes are very dark and mysterious. Uh, unfortunately, his work, his fiction work, was not the only aspect of his life affected by mysterious circumstances. The, the writer died at the age of 40 on October 7th, 1849 in Baltimore, Maryland, and only a few strange details were gathered regarding his passing. Four days before his death, he was found stumbling around Baltimore in a delirious state and wearing someone else's clothing. Random passerbyers reported his condition and he was taken to Washington Medical College uh, where he eventually died. Records show that he repeatedly was yelling the name Reynolds just before his death. Um, there is no medical records or death certificates regarding his passing and no definitive cause of death was determined making the famed writer's death as, as strange and as dark as his own stories. So did he really die? That's a good question. Um, if he, there's no I death records. That he had, he dreamt his death and then it happened the exact way. Um, the way is that the same one? Yeah. I feel like you're right on that one. I don't know 100%. Hold on. It was a weird death. I remember that. And it seems like he had dreamt it and then it happened exactly the way he yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that one, but um, the other fact that I have is Mona Lisa's smile. Cassie, maybe you know this because you, out of the four of us, are the only one that has been to Paris and See been Mona in front Lisa. of Mona Lisa. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you'll know this or not, but <laughs> I'm going to point that out. Could you um, touch so, Mona Lisa? No, because it's behind glass. It, yeah, it's been it's, like stolen so many times that it's like literally behind glass, yeah. behind like a barrier. You can't even get close to it. And it's in like its own like temperatures like yeah. zone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's protected. Oh, so like when you see that on TV, that's for real. Oh, it's for real. Like they're not that they, you can't get anywhere near it. Because we've yeah. seen a lot of paintings, and yeah, it's right, amazing right. that you could just go up and touch it. Well, but I also think like Mona Lisa doesn't travel the other the paintings that we see they go on oh. tour and but also i mean this is off topic but to get to that point like nowadays most paintings are behind a protective layer of glass um and 
we know this now because of that like stunt that got pulled like a year ago where people threw tomato sauce on Van Gogh's wow. painting. Yeah. Um, it, they are covered so that when stuff like that happens, well, and that's you know, been happening. it doesn't ruin paintings. Like the kid that colored all over one of the sculptures. I can't remember where. Yeah. That, yeah, that one, that's right. on the parents, but. Hopefully you can wash it off. Most, most famous paintings are behind a barrier now. Okay, back so to back, Mona Lisa. To, back to Mona Lisa. So um, Mona Lisa is perhaps one of the most famed Renaissance painter to um, have ever held a, or by one of the most famed Renaissance painters, sorry, um, right. who has ever held a brush. That's Leonardo da Vinci. And um, it is pretty well known that he produced like a surprisingly few amount of like number of paintings in his career, but um, with in many experts placing the number of pieces definitively painted by him at just fifth, uh, just at just 15 over the entire of his 50 year career. So 15, one five, that's not a lot. You've got to think about it like the Sistine Chapel. He did the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. Like that probably took 20 years. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Um, are, you saying, are you saying we don't appreciate or we appreciate him too much? We're no. just, she's saying that like he's he's probably one of the most famous painters in but existing. And he has really very few pieces. projects. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but, and yeah, he I'm had sure a 50. that ceiling took him a long time. Oh, I'm sure, but he, he had a, in, in, but a while. 15, 15 pieces, one five, yeah, one five, 15 pieces, and he had a career of 50 years. Five right. Years. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it just, I agree, though, yeah. So, um, but I also think maybe that's why his stuff is so famous, because mm. it's very little, you right. know, like, there's not very much of it. Um, so any discovery of previously unknown Da Vinci paintings then is both intensely scrutinized and wildly important. Previously known as the Alworth Mona Lisa, but Christian christened the earlier Mona Lisa by its current owners, one portrait is seemingly an early iteration of the painter's most famed work, the Mona Lisa which many experts claimed he painted in dribs and drabs over a course of decades, visibly similar to the Mona Lisa um, and its more famous counterpart. The Alworth Mona Lisa depicts a model at a younger age and is so similar to the Mona Lisa that numerous reputable art organizations have curious or cautiously confirmed that the painter's authenticity was it was as a uh, da vinci original um so basically he painted this one the isleworth mona lisa first when she was younger and then did mona lisa later on however nonetheless skeptics are still abound with many considering the owl mona lisa to be nothing more than a counterfeit hmm. It doesn't, this, again, it didn't give too much information. I don't know when the Alworth Mona Lisa is said to have been painted, um, but it, clearly it's supposed to have been before the Mona Lisa. So, I don't know. You would think that if it was a counterfeit that... Then why would somebody else repaint it? Right. Or But I don't, you know, like, well, no, if it was a counterfeit, you would think that... They would change it. It would have Or make it look, it look 
yeah, yeah, right. Like it looks a bit more like exactly yeah. like it. So I don't know, or it would have been discovered, you know, before or you know, dated or I don't know. So I say, you know, I'm sure because he's only been, you know, definitively has 15 well-known projects, but any artist or any any person that has worked on any kind of thing, you usually do a rough draft or you work on other projects that nobody really sees and it's not meant for anybody but yourself. So I can see it too. Yeah, yeah. me too. I or mean, even it just being like a rough draft, like many like many artists back in that time would basically do a rough sketch drawing yeah. mm-hmm. and then like paint that and then go back and do another painting that's like yeah. for the actual buyer. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I can't understand why somebody would think that it, as a counterfeit if he really did. I mean, well, it's the sale—the sale aspect of it. It's yeah, the sale aspect of someone just finding something, and being like, right. "Wow, this looks exactly like the Mona Lisa." Right. So this must be a Leonardo da Vinci original right. kind of thing. Right. Or it's like you people sell when it they more. forge, you know, they, when they forge celebrities' signatures. signatures. Stuff. Yeah. And then you take it to a, like an auction house, or you take it to a, you know, like a um, antique store, or whatever. You know, like and try to sell it. It's not worth the same as the real signature. It's not worth anything, you know. Right. So. Uh, so that's the debate: is whether or not it is real, because it could be it, worth. Somebody could have forged it by now. Yeah, it could have been. It could be worth nothing, or it could be worth like billions billions <laughs> or you know like worthless or um priceless priceless, priceless. that's what i'm trying yeah, to say priceless yeah. so worthless or priceless so there you go those are my history unexplained mystery facts for the day interesting also okay. though a fun like fact did you guys this is just off my own little like kind of I, if we're at work today, I kind of heard this, um, but April is the deadliest month in history. I don't know really? if you guys knew that. Um, oh, and specifically today has a high, April 19th is today. It has a high, like, death rate, I guess, you know, but today is the, the anniversary for Oklahoma City bombing, but... Oh. Um, there's a lot of things that happened specifically on today and uh, mostly wow. like, you know, Columbine, Oklahoma City bombing, Waco. Uh, there's a whole list of things that they all happened in April. But not mm-hmm. on the 19th, just. On no, not. April. Yeah, no, no, no not on the 19th. April. Oh, the Boston Marathon massacre was in April. You know what it is? I think it's the Aries, you know, the Aries sign. People are angry and right. active. Huh. April's the Aries month. Well, and April's it's such a depressing like, month because it just believe rained. in Zodiac. It's, you know. Well, but it's also a dreary month. Also, rain. I found out today to today is uh, April 19th is Hitler's birthday. So, oh, great. Well, there you yeah. go. That's why. Yeah. Well, we should just skip April altogether. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Matt would like that. Yeah. 
all April birthdays. Matt, did you know that you were born in the most angriest month? <laughs> <laughs> Deadliest month. Deadliest. Yeah. But yeah, supposedly, and I, I kind of Googled it, and I was trying to prepare for tonight, and I um, just never got around to finishing that, but there's a lot of Google, like, articles out there that April is the deadliest month, and specifically April 19th is, like, a wow. bad day for death. Interesting. Hmm. That's craziness. There you go. So there's some non-confirmed Jesse facts. <laughs> we'll expect more information tomorrow night. <laughs> a preview. You know, April's not over, so. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll look into that some more. But I, just I haven't killed anybody was... yet this month. Well, if you think about it, actually, now that you say that, we've had like in this in the U.S. We've had in this month a string of yeah. uh, people shooting like yeah, random people random. on their doorsteps. Like within the last two weeks, pulling into a driveway, going up to the wrong yeah. door, getting into somebody else's car by yeah. accident. That, that is like now that you say that. That is like I was thinking. Like it's so strange that we're like here. Uh, there was something else. Like two cheerleaders got shot in Texas yeah, because was, they accidentally got in the wrong car. Wrong, yeah, they got into the wrong car. Which I don't, I've done that before. I've got oh, into the car. Sure. I didn't realize it oh, until my I car. did that the other day. I went up to a white car. I literally sat in the driver's seat of somebody else's car. I've and couldn't figure too. out why my keys wouldn't work and why I had a Mountain <laughs> Dew in the car because I don't drink Mountain Dew. And then it dawned on me. This was years and years ago, but it dawned on me. I'm like, I don't drink Mountain Dew. This is not my car. I, I just literally did that. And I'm trying to get my key to open this door mm -hmm. and uh, start the car. I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm in, I'm in the wrong car. <laughs> I jumped out. Yep. My gosh! I opened yeah, the door. Now you gotta be careful about that because people yeah. might shoot you. For, yeah. Or just yeah. picking up your brother and sister at uh, uh, a. Just class. trying to pick up your brother and sister. Yeah. That just makes me sick. Yeah. It's disgusting. I mean, I just can't believe all of the shootings just within the last three nights. Yeah. Every night on the news, there's a new shooting. It's, it's April. Just, it's April, just, apparently. It's Aries. Huh? It's April, apparently. I don't know, but it's craziness. Our world has just become unacceptable, that's for sure. Agreed. It okay. is unacceptable. Cass, maybe you could cheer us up with that. <laughs> yeah, don't depress us because it's April. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Is I So I do have a song that I don't find to be creepy or sad, um, but it depends on where you fall on a scale. Is it um, creepy or is it cute? No, well, yes. Well, yes, sort of. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to explain this one. Why I think it's actually very, like, lovely song kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but so this is the song Slide by Goo Goo Dolls. Does you know it? Okay. Yeah, I, I know it. <laughs> so this one it came out in like the uh, like 90s yeah um and it's very popular uh it's very popular as a romance song you know just sing to your lover um about it that way but sure but, but that's the thing that's the thing is that it's it is and i think it's very lovely that the how the main or the artist wrote this song but this song is actually about 
teen pregnancy and abortion. Um, and it is about how the, the narrator of the song, the main singer of Goo Goo Dolls, is telling his girlfriend or basically saying, you know, I'll do anything you want to make you feel complete. So he is saying, you know, whether you get an abortion or whether we keep this baby, it's your decision. You can, you get to decide what we do after, like you get to decide what we do in this relationship. Um, and not many people know that it is about abortion, um, but it has an entire verse um, that says, don't you love the life you killed? The priest is on the phone, your father hit the wall, and your ma disowned you. So this is about a young girl who is finding out that she's pregnant and she's debating whether she should get an abortion and be able to go on and live her life or have to be stuck in their hometown and get married to the young boy that impregnated her. Yeah, um, so and I was going to say, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and the narrator is basically saying it's your choice, which I that I think that's really lovely. Good. I think it's really lovely that he's saying it. You know, yes. it, you get to choose. Yeah, I never thought of it as a love song. I guess then that like that the lyrics that you just read out. That's what I remember most about the song. Really? I don't. Re- I yeah. this is. Yeah. I guess I this is always the part that I miss because I. <laughs> Whenever I think of this song, I always think of the line where he's like, do you want to get married? I guess. But then the next line is him saying, or do you want to run away? So it's literally yeah. him saying, do you want to get married and have this baby? Or do you want to run away and get an abortion? Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of it as a love song. But I like the song. It's a good song. I guess um, I, I've i always seen people use it as a love song. It's in like, I yeah. feel like it's in quite a few teen rom-com movies, to be honest yeah. with you. Oh, yeah. Especially from that era, yeah. 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 But there you go. This one's not super creepy to me. If you're a pro-lifer, you probably fucking need this song. But I think it's great. I like Hey There, Delilah. I still think it's a great song. And I think you it's wrote a song that he fantasized about this girl. They didn't even know. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dee, you're up this week. I know yeah. you got an exciting story for us. I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, where do I begin? Because it's a crazy story. Um, it's about Paul Marda. <laughs> yeah. And his family, Alex Murdaugh, Maggie, and his brother, Buddy. Mm-hmm. And so um, it all began and it raveled down because of this incident, their dynasty, what we want to call, they call a dynasty. Um, but 19-year-old, um, on February 23rd, 2019, Mallory Beach and five of her friends with went with Paul um, on a boat ride to go to an oyster roast. And during the trip, or on the way to the trip, they stopped at a um, gas station, um, Paul Murdoch, um, or Murdoch, he, uh, became quite the drinker. 
and he couldn't handle his liquor. But um, I, I, I've kind of got it sporadic, so I might be going back and forth because there's it's so a crazy much. story. This, the, there is so much to the story. There's so much to it. And it just, it, you know, you got to go back and then you got to go forth and, you know, to get it all in. But um, the story is about Mallory Beach. The whole incident come out because of Mallory Beach. And um, they got into a boating accident because Paul was so drunk that um, he went, you know, they went, like I said, they stopped at a party store, gas station. Um, he stopped, got liquor. They, all six of them, um, and... Now I've got to find all of my kids and people. Um, it was. Um, OK, so. Paul and. Um, Paul. Morgan were dating and then Mallory and Anthony Cook were dating and Miley and Connor were dating. They were all, they all grew up together. Um, Anthony and Paul were best buddies and they did everything together as boys. They went hunting. Um, of course, Paul's family had numerous homes and um, they had a uh, a house on over a thousand acres, and um, it had fishing and hunting and you name it, it had it. And so Paul and Anthony spent a lot of time on that property doing all kinds of you know boy stuff, and then um, they partied, and Anthony was quite the partier also. And then Morgan and um, Connor, or I mean, Morgan and Paul got in, uh, in junior high, they um, were in science class or in, in a class together. And she always felt out of place um, when she was at, growing up and in school. And she met Paul in that class and they started dating. And then um, Mallory and Morgan began pre-K pre together. And, you know, it's just funny because the way that these girls talked, um, Miley had said that um, she was shy and, and you know, kind of off on her to herself and, and Mallory was this outgoing firecracker little girl. And she come up to her in class and said um, that she was that Miley was pretty and they became best friends for life. And so um, they um, they were all together and. What whatever one was doing, they were all together, it, you know, it just they knew that they were going to be going out with. If, if 
Anthony was hanging with Paul, he knew he was going to be hanging with Mallory. If they were, you know, if it was um, Mallory and Miley, they knew that Anthony knew that Connor would be in the picture. If uh, Morgan um, came into the picture, then they knew that Paul would be with them. Or if Anthony and Paul were doing something, all three of the girls would be there because the three girls ended up going to school together and becoming best friends and, um, and did everything together. It was like the three amigos. They said that it was the three M's because they, you know, they pumped each other up and, and did all kinds of stuff. But, um, so they all, um, Paul wanted to go to this party and then Mallory wanted to go with, a bunch of friends she had asked um anthony um to go to this oyster roast and he said he was abdomen he said no i don't want to go it's too cold and you know um the oyster roast is they always do that in the fall um when all the oysters are i guess at the best seasoning season but um he said no but he said that mallory batted her eyes and, and, um, he couldn't tell her no because she had those puppy dog eyes. And so he ended up going. Well, then, um, Connor and Miley were going. And so all of them decided that they were going. And Paul at this time, um, had an on and off relationship with Morgan and, one day they were together, one day they weren't. Um, Morgan and, I mean, Miley and Mallory were distraught because of the relationship, because Mallory so much was so much in love with Paul and his personality. And he, I guess he had this wonderful personality and, and, um, they did well, but his parents enabled him um, by giving him access to liquor. So they would block off streets, have parties in every summer. And um, it was not uncommon for them. To, Paul would take them to the law firm um, and they would go in the back doors and they were they had access to alcohol and they were 16 to 14, 14 to 16 years of age. So all of the employees kids had access to alcohol at such an early age. And before Paul started drinking, um, he was this bubbly, contagious, funny person and everybody loved him. He had, you know, many friends. He, you know, was very outgoing. Um, it was said that, uh, he, he had a nanny, um, housekeeper. She was, I guess, not just a nanny, but she, um, was their housekeeper and her name was Gloria Statterfield. And, um, she pretty much raised Paul. Um, he was two years of age and, um, it was said that, Maggie, which is Paul's mom, um, doted on 
her older, his older brother. And um, that no matter what he did, it rocked. And so Gloria um, pretty much stayed by his side, did everything for him. Um, and Paul became, Paul came to love her as his mother because she did everything for him. And um, she, you know, stood by his side no matter what it was and encouraged him to do whatever he needed to do. And um, so during this time, um, uh, Morgan, you know, they were fighting back and forth and, um, and Gloria said, it's a do or die situation. You're either going to love him for who he is or you're not. And so um, when Paul called and said, all of your friends are coming to this oyster roast, she kind of, did, she did not want to go because um, the relationship became toxic and abusive. And um, they... Uh, they they became friends in junior high or in junior high, and they dated throughout their schooling. And during this time, she she wasn't from uh, Beaufort, or um, actually, it was was it Hamilton. Um, uh, I need a state. I, I'll get back to that. Um, but um, she, the, Mallory's family wasn't from there. They were from New York and our Long Island. And um, they came there. It, it didn't say why they come or her mother was a nurse in a prison. So I'm assuming it would be work. And his dad was an architect. Um her dad was. And so um, she always wanted to be the person that Alex's or Paul's mom and dad, Alex and Maggie wanted her to be. Um, she wasn't used to that kind of a life. She said that um, she had never um, never seen her parents or anybody else drunk that she was never around that much alcohol and going around Paul's family. It was like an everyday occurrence. It was never, you know, just a one day a month thing. It was an everyday holiday party, drinking access to all kinds of liquor. And Maggie encouraged them to drink. And, it, you know, it's kind of sad because, you know, you're 14 and six, you know, between 14 and 16, um, it's, uh, shouldn't be encouraged, but, um, it was. And so she said, okay, you know, she didn't want to go with Paul, but she wanted to go because Mallory and Morgan were going and she wanted to spend some time with her friend, her best friends. So they went and, um, they all were drinking because Paul had stopped at the gas station on the way, used his brother's um, ID, older brother, um, 
and they uh, got a bunch of liquor. They were drinking on the boat. They had a, a cooler on the back of the boat. Um, and then when they got to the oyster um, roast, they um, left the cooler on the boat. So they would go back and forth to the boat and get their liquor and then go back to the oyster party. And so they stayed there and um, it ended up being a later party than they had intended. And they left and everybody at the oyster party was trying to get them to not take the boat because they, um, Paul insisted on taking the family boat down um, the Brewfoot uh, River. Um, and they ended up going down. Um, so they were trying to, everybody at the Oyster Roast was trying to talk them out of going home on the boat. And Paul insisted, nope, nope, you know, I'm not leaving the boat. We're, you know, he, everybody said that he had too much pride to leave the boat and have somebody take them home. So they all loaded back up on the boat and on the way home at midnight, Paul wants to stop at some bar on the, on the river on the way home. So they stop and Connor and Paul went into the bar and everybody else was just outside waiting and they were all furious with Paul and Connor because it was already midnight and they wanted to go home. And um, so when Paul come out, when Paul and Connor come out, they were both smashed. And um, word is that Paul was out of his mind drunk and he should not have been behind a boat wheel. And so they um, tried to talk. Paul into letting Connor or Anthony drive the boat home. And Paul said, no, this is my, you know, and used um, severe language. You can and use explicit language on our podcast. Huh? I'm not going to say it. So what, what did he say? He said bad words. So he said, no, I'm driving. I'm taking this boat. Dead gummit and I'm not driving. Right, exactly. And so he wouldn't let anybody else drive. And so on the way back, um, I guess later as Paul drank, um, he was very obsessive with his drinking and to the point where people were scared when he got drunk. And then um, Anthony said in some of the um, interviews that uh, his hands, he would do stuff with his hands. His fingers would bend backwards and, and spirit fingers. Well, he just did things. And then his eyes got so black that he, you know, they said that he looked like his he was going to kill. Him. Yeah. Polterized eyes. And so, um, okay. Well, I wouldn't get on a boat with him driving. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, they said that they wished that they wouldn't have, but you know, now it's too late. But um, so they um, were on the way back and um, Paul would leave the wheel 
and somebody would run up there and grab the steering wheel because he would just, you know, he was so drunk. He didn't know what the heck he was doing. And, um, so they, um, were all arguing and fighting and, uh, Anthony yelled at all of them and said, you know, be quiet and whatever. And that, so Paul got mad at Morgan and said, why aren't you sticking up for me? And he got right into her face and she said, why would I stick up for you? You're yelling at everybody and you're not, you know, you're so drunk and blah, blah, blah. And so they got into a big fight and he slapped her. Well, then um, the abuse, she worked at this clothing store and during this, during their um, on and off relationship, one day he, you know, they would be on one day, they would be off and she would go into work crying and Mallory would say, um, you know, you don't have to do this and it's okay. And she would hug her and say, you're, you're a wonderful person. Um, you don't have to worry. You don't have to listen to him because he was, you know, such a downer. And when he was drunk, he, like I said, he was very abusive to her and she was in love and what love does you know, you go back to these abusive relationships and you just don't know when to say no, 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 or stop. And um, so uh, Connor, when he, when Paul slapped her, said, um, you know, you, this is, we know there's no hiding it anymore because now it's out in the open. He abused her in front of everybody and before she would hide it so that it wasn't, so it didn't come out. But um, they uh, got into another fight and Paul got mad and pushed the throttle to full fledge. And so the boat just jerked and took off and all of a sudden, everybody starts screaming, and one of the one of the girls said, "Oh my gosh, you're gonna hit that bridge!" Anthony and Mallory were sitting on the back of the boat in on the ice chest. Everybody else was up it, it, when they started. It was uh, Mallory and uh, Morgan out on the ice track. Uh, on the ice box where the liquor and stuff were, and they were had to get up every time somebody wanted a drink. But um, Alex and I mean Anthony and Mallory were sitting together, and then the rest of them were kind of in different spots up in the front and on the sides. And when the boat hit the bridge, they all went flying. Um, Anthony. Um, did dislocated. It never did say what he did, but his his shoulder, he hurt his shoulder somehow. So I, I'm assuming that he dislodged his or discon, um, dislodged his shoulder. And I don't know what else, but him, he couldn't understand why he come up when they, they all went flying into the water. Um, when he came up, he swam over to the side. Um, Connor Cook 
swam to the side, but his front teeth, her, his bottom teeth were over his top teeth and he had, had gouged his, um, he had a big, huge cut and on his chin. And then um, Morgan um, had cut her hand where the skin was all up and she had to have surgery, but her skin was all laid back to her wrist. And then um, Mallory, they all come up out of the water. They couldn't find Mallory. And they're all shouting, where's Mallory? Where's Mallory? Well, then Anthony jumped back into the water numerous times trying to find her. And Connor, in the meantime, had called 911. And um, this is really the first time 911 had been called on any of the Mur Murdoffs because... In the previous times that Paul had gotten into trouble, he called his grandfather Randolph Murdoch and he got him out of anything and everything. Um, at one time, him and Mallory went to a party. They were um, partying after his brother's graduation and uh, from college. And um, he, they, he was drunk again. And she was going to drive, and he said, get out of the driver's seat. And he kicked her out of the driver's seat. And he drove, and she thought, oh, okay, I guess he's going to be okay. Well, they took this turn, and he rolled his truck. And he called his granddaddy to come and get him. His granddaddy? Yep. <laughs> they, they called him his granddaddy. Um, and so his granddad. And then um, he had beer cans throughout his whole truck. And because he was a hunter, he had numerous guns all over. So granddad came, took all of the guns, loaded them up in his truck, towed the truck home, never called the police, never called 911, nothing. And so that was just one of the numerous times that but anytime Paul got into trouble, 911 was never called. They granddad come and Alex came and took care of the matters without any incident. Um, they were well known by everybody. They were very prominent people in in their town. I'm trying to think of I think they have a family um, attorney. No, they were attorneys. I'm getting to that. Yeah. So like grandpa was, dad was, yeah, brother, great was. grandpa, yeah, it, it, granddaddy, it went, and great granddaddy, yes, great, yeah, it went way back, way back to you know, nineteen forties. It was eighty-seven years of being things. Um, help As me out. Reba says, no, don't trust your soul to know backwards son, southern lawyer. Right, know? exactly. Right. right. Anyways, this was the first time 911 had been called. Mm -hmm. And um, they um, were all, when 911 um, police officials and everybody come, they were all worried about Mallory. And when, when it was time for them to go to the hospital, um, they, Anthony would not leave. Anthony was the only one that stayed and would not leave. The rest of them ended up going to the hospital because they, 
they, for one, they were in bad shape. Um, Alex, I mean, um, Anthony had dislocated his shoulder and that was pretty much everything, but everybody else was, um, and Miley, I don't know that she, I don't think that Miley got hurt. Um, or, you know, I, I'm sure she had to go to the hospital and get, um, observed, but it, she didn't, it didn't say anything about her injuries. Um, and so why they were at the hospital, um, they were saying, you know, and um, Anthony, when the police arrived, said that Paul killed his girlfriend and he was, he used explicit name. And when the police arrived, Paul was trying to call his grandfather not worried about Mallory that's drowned in the in the in the river or not worried about anybody that's on the boat that he just hurt he was worried about calling his grandfather and he was asking the police officer where's my phone and the police officer said you threw it over there in the grass and he said i need to borrow your phone i need to call my i need to call my granddad and so they, he called his granddad and his granddad and his dad showed up on the scene. But um, in the meantime, Anthony is just furious with him. Somehow, Paul ended up in his boxer shorts only. He was only in his boxer shorts. That's how drunk he was. He had all of his clothes on, but all of a sudden he didn't have any clothes on but his boxers. And he's okay. worried about all He's been, he's trying to call his granddad and doesn't, has no concern on them saying, where's Mallory, where's Mallory? And all of them were diving back into the river trying to find Mal. And then um, when the ambulance come and said that they had to go, Morgan had said, did they find Mallory yet? And they said, no, honey, they haven't found her yet. And they loaded her up in the ambulance and took her to the hospital. And they went to Buford. They were all at Buford Hospital. And that was right downtown um, Hamilton or uh, I'm probably dodging it, but it's, I thought it was, I think it's Hamilton. Um, and so uh, they um, take Paul but all of the police that are on, on the scene never questioned anything about him. He was, he had a, um, a alcohol. Blood alcohol level. Yep. I'm trying to find it. It was like five times, four times more than. It was 0.286, over three times the legal limit of operating a motor vehicle. So um, none of the police asked, you know, anything about it. Um, they, uh, um, never asked him, you know, questioning. 
and they took him straight to the hospital. And that's how they found out that he had a 0.286 because once he got to the hospital, they drew blood and found out that his alcohol. But he was telling everybody that Connor was driving the boat. Hmm. And everybody else was saying when the police arrived, they said who was driving the boat. And of course, Paul was off trying to call his granddad. And they were all saying, Paul was driving the boat. He crashed us into the boat. And then Anthony was screaming at Paul. And he was had a smirk on his face and made Anthony really mad because he thought it was funny. He, you know, wasn't himself and thought that, you know, this is, you know. And so when the police arrived at the hospital, I'm blotching this all up. Um, they should have read it read for word for word now. But um, they, the search party went on and then. Uh, Anthony would go home, sleep, and then go right back to the dive site. But why the kids were in the hospital, Morgan's mom was a nurse, and nobody wanted to mess with any of the Murdaws. And when the nurse come out and um, Morgan was down getting surgery, the nurse said, get your daughter away from Paul. He's bad news. And then somebody else said, for, and then the nurse came, or the, the orderly said that to Morgan's mom. And then the nurse came out into the hall and said, I know I'm not supposed to say this to you, but for nurse to nurse and nurse to mom and mom to mom, I'm telling you, he's bad news. You need to get your daughter away from him and stay away from this family. And so um, it's sad to think that the Murdaws thought they were above the law. And everybody in the town that they lived in believed that they knew and they all knew that the Murdaws were above the law. Nobody wanted to get messed up or mixed up with any of the Murdaws, you do, you know, you just didn't get involved. And so, um, so did they ever find Mallory? They found Mallory. And of course she was, she was, had died. But five days later they found the body. But in the meantime, the Alex and the granddad Randolph, which was Paul's granddad went to the hospital and was trying to um, manipulate everybody at the hospital and telling them, you know, that it was Connor who was um, driving the boat. When they arrived at the hospital, the employees at the um, hospital were saying that Alex and Randolph were trying to manipulate what was happening. And Alex didn't care about Mallory's missing or finding her because they thought if they found her, if they didn't find her, it would be an unsolved case. There, you know, no body, no, no case. And so uh, the only uh, 
finding her and only making sure that no one talked. And they went, they called Connor's dad in and said, we got Connor's back. We got Connor's back. Then they, Alex had called him into a special meeting and Connor's dad's going, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in big trouble because Alex is trying to convince him that Connor was the one that was driving this and Connor went to his dad and said, they're going to kill me, dad. So Connor was worried because he said, I was not driving that boat. And he was adamant that I, he wasn't driving that boat. But Alex was trying to get him to agree to be in driving that boat so that Paul wasn't going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so um, Alex told everybody not to talk, not to say anything. Um, shut your mouth. And if they didn't, they, if they did, they would be, they wouldn't be able to find out who was really driving the boat. So he went up to Connor as he was going in for surgery or go, going for x-rays on his jaw because he had busted his jaw and, and um, Connor in any of the interviews, he wanted nothing to do with any of this interviews. And when they said, um, how do you feel about it now? He goes, we're not going to discuss it because he is, I think he is still angry with all the stuff that was going on. And he, I, I think that he, Connor is still afraid, was still afraid for his life that they were going to kill him because he wouldn't admit that he was driving. He was adamant that he wasn't driving. He was told his dad that he was scared that he was going to, that they were going to kill him somehow. And um, and there's reason for him to believe that because in years, um, in all the years that the Murdaws were in charge, and it goes down, um, it goes down in his uh, timeline that for 87 years. The Murdoch family came to um, represent legal dynasty in the coastal South Carolina area where um, they were successful and um, the the successful generation controlled the local prosecutor's office. Um, But known to the family had been um, closely connected to uh, um, five different deaths so there was five different deaths that the murdoch family brushed under the brushed under the carpet nobody knew any nothing nobody knew anything about any of these deaths and i'll get to that um as we go um the first uh one was uh Well, I'm going to go down this timeline now because um, I think that it kind of explains how they they were um, they were uh, the lead prosecutors. So they were three generations as Fourteenth Circuit solicitors which was um like a the lead prosecutors they were all lawyers um and they kind of took over hamilton and they um had a huge law firm 
which was uh, known as, mm, I'll get that. The, um, the, they were the leads prosecutions for five different counties, Allendale, Beaufort, um, Coalition, I mean, Colton, Hamilton, and Jasper counties. Randolph Murder, Murdaugh Sr. was elected to be the 14th Circuit Solicitor, which is considered the lead prosecutor, in office in 1920 and served in this position until his death in 1940. His son Randolph Jr. then took the position over until he retired in 1986. Murdoch Jr.'s son, son, Randolph Murdoch III, was then elected to the role in 1987 and served through the end of 2005. Murdoch III's son, which was Alex Murdoch, worked as the attorney at the law firm Peter Murdoch Parker um, Elzoroth Dietrich, known as P-M-P-E-D. And in 2006, then the governor, Mark Stanford, appoints attorney, appoints attorney Duffy Stone to serve as the 14th Circuit uh, Solicitor, making him the first non-Murdaugh in the position that had been elected um, four times since. Um, and then uh, during this time, um, their uh, chief financial service from the um, PMPED confronts Alex about the $792,000 missing funds. And on that nine, or, on that night, he called 911 for um, the death of his son and, and uh, wife. But in the meantime, during this serving, um, the first death that came upon, that was brushed under the carpet was of um, Smith, Stephen Smith. And on July 8th, of 2015, Stephen Smith, a 19-year-old nursing student, was found dead from blunt force trauma on a rural road in Hampton County. The case ruled as a hit and run, but Smith was um, prominently gay and in high school, classmates set, um, of Alex Murdoch's oldest son, Buster, witnessed, witnesses say, said in um, interviews that as a part of the original investigation, repeatedly in, um, implicated Buster as to having been involved in this relationship with Stephen. 
But as the case went cold, rumors hinting at the cover-up and possible involvement of one or more members of the Murdoch family began circulating around the Hampton County area soon after Smith's death. According to Buford County, the case reeked inside um, in interference. So his first, the first one, Stephen Smith, um, it was said in the interviews later that um, one of the Murdaws killed him because they didn't want it to get out that, of course, it would ruin their reputation that Buster was involved with a gay man. And so um, that, you know, went under this thing. Um, SLED announced Smith's death as a murder and not an accident on the highway. No charges or indictments have been issued. Buster was released, released a statement saying that he denies any involvement. So Buster became, um, he wanted to be uh, just like his father. He wanted to make the money that his father did. He wanted the, the lifestyle that his father had. Um, so he wanted it well known that he had no part of anything to do with Stephen Smith. So we don't know who killed Stephen Smith. It's still unsolved that he, you know, at, at first it was just a hit and run. Um, but it come, you know, it really wasn't because when they did autopsies and stuff, it was um, that, it was a hit and run, but then they found out that it, he had blunt um, trauma to the head. And his the way he was laying in the road, it was all, he still had his shoes on. You know, it was like he was laid out there. He was brutally beaten and then put on the road or, you know, is, is yeah. what. That's my, it looked like he ran out of gas and was walking right. to get gas and got hit by hit and run. Right, like right. Car. But, but they showed his body wouldn't be laying in the middle of the road and right. the injuries didn't match. Right, run. right. And so then um, in 2000, on February 2nd, 2018, Gloria Statterfield, their housekeeper, um, longtime housekeeper and nanny for Paul, um, which was, like I said, more than just a nanny to Paul. He was more like a mom. And when, during some of the interviews, um, it was said that Paul, the only picture that Paul had in his billfold was of Gloria. So he had no other pictures only Gloria. So he thought highly of Gloria. Gloria thought highly of him. He thought of her as a mom. Um, and uh, then his own mother, Maggie, which Maggie doted on the eldest son, Buster. When he graduated, it was, you know, everything was all Buster. Um, Gloria suffered uh, head injuries. And they, when 911 was called, it said that she had fallen down the front steps of their um, home 
in at the Mosley estate, which was where Paul and Anthony and the boys spent most of their time because that's where all the hunting, the boating, and um, it was on the outskirts of Hamilton and it was over a thousand acres. So it was huge. And the house was way, way back off the road. Um, and so when 911 arrived um, at the family's home in, at the Mosley um, estate, um, they had said she had fallen down. The dogs had, and at this, at the Mosley home, the dogs, uh, they had hunting dogs. So it was like people that owned horse barns, it was kennels of dogs. I mean, it, it's just a huge kennel. And they all had, it was beautiful stalls and, you know, elaborate casings around them. Um, but uh, she, they said that the dogs tripped her coming up and she had said when she come through the gates, she had talked to the gardener and said, hello. And he had said that she, of course, had her bag of McDonald's and her drink. And she walked up the steps and, um, he, you know, after he had said hello, he never seen her. So he didn't see her fall down the steps or anything else. It was just um, hearsay from Maggie saying that she had fallen down the steps. Um, she had complications. She stayed in the hospital and was um, had a, a stroke and it had been reported as a trip and fall accident. Um, but the sad thing was um, there was no coroners uh, uh, notified, no aut autopsy was performed and on the death certificate, um, it was um, noted as um, natural causes and she died February um, 26, 2018. So she was in the hospital for 16 days, um, unconscious, didn't know her sons. Um, she had two sons uh, and Alex Murdoch, Paul's dad, um, represented her or, you know, he wanted to be he went in and said that he was Morgan's um, legal represent, rep, representation um, and he wanted to um, go in while she was in surgery. And somehow, I don't understand this, when she was having surgery, granddad Randolph was able to go into the surgery while she was in surgery and Morgan seen Alex tapping at the window and she told the head nurse, do not whatsoever let that man in this room. And so Alex was never allowed in that room. Well, Alex represented um, Gloria and took out a claim on the Marcel home and ended up um, collecting all that insurance money and never, you know, gave it to her sons. And somebody said it come out that the case had won a huge amount of money. And 
both of the sons said, did you get any money? And the other son said, no, I didn't get any money. Did you get any money? And so that's how it all come about that. He, Alex took out a claim on Gloria falling down the steps and of his house uh, at his house and, and scammed the insurance and frauded the insurance. And, and that wasn't the first time. I mean, he had multiple, um, claims and um alex uh and according to multiple incidents alex murdaugh chad westendorf and attorney corey fleming conspired to steal um her money which was uh three $4 million in insurance policy settlement. The scam worked by diverting the um, payout to Alex's bank account and then not notifying the uh, Statterfields that the life insurance um, settlement had occurred. It involved forgery, Murdoch's law firm, um, the PMPED, and Palamont, uh, Palamento uh, State Bank found this out and um, the Statterfield sons represented by malpractice attorney Eric Bland um, were ultimately able to recover more than 6.5 million during the uh, lawsuit and on September 15th 19 or 2021 the attorneys reopened the case and got permission to exhume Gloria's body because Alex didn't um, find out. You know, I mean, he didn't have any autopsies. So the sons and the sons were really concerned that they did something to their mother because they exhumed her body. But that's still under investigation because it's still it's still not out what has come about that. Um, and then Paul, of course, was charged um, February the 19th of 2019 um, for the, uh, it wasn't even for murder. It was for um, felonies following the death of Mallory in the boating accident accident and for the blood alcohol level of the um, one that it was. And then um, when they um, crashed into the bridge, um, Paul was never given a sobriety test or he wasn't taken to jail, he wasn't booked. He wasn't handcuffed. This led speculation that he was receiving special treatment owing to his family's connections to um, everybody that lived in Hampton. Um, the, the judge denied a prosecutional request that he wear an alcohol monitor because of who he was. And um, the, doc the court documents... Um, for the Beaches family imp implicated that Alex and Buster in providing alcohol or 
they per, um, Alex and Buster provided alcohol to the underaged Paul and all of his friends. And on September the 20, 20 in September 2021, SLED was investigating the allegations that the police may have been pursued not to charge Paul and the family of um, Connor Cook, another of the teens um, aboard the boat during the incident, filed a lawsuit claiming that Alex had encouraged the Cook family to retain a longtime lawyer friend. So um, Connor's dad and Alex's dad were friends in school. So Alex thought that he could talk Connor's dad into just forgiving all of this and kind of hush, hush, no, you know, don't say anything. And um, then they all got kind of scared and knew that the Murdaws had way too much connection and they were going to throw every, the Murdaws were going to throw everybody under the, under the bus. So they kind of all found this out when they realized that, um, they didn't care about what happened to Mallory. They just cared about their family um, heritage and and being the elite people that they thought that they were. Um, the police, the uh, police told Connor, Connor was. Um, driving the boat and the other five passengers told police that Paul um, was driving the boat. So Paul told the police that Connor was driving it. And then of course in the records, it was that Paul was driving the boat. Um, the wrongful uh, death cause began um, unraveling of Alex Murdaugh in the criminal enterprise and exploding, um, exposing financial information that led to the jury to believe that Murdaugh allegedly financed wrongdoing in the days before killing his wife and his son because of all of this coming out. Um, they, they found out that um, Alex had done all of these illegal um and fraudulent things on all of these people. Now they're now because of all of this coming out, they're finding out that Alex spent billions of dollars on drugs and alcohol and he was addicted and they kind of just brushed it under the, um, brushed it under the table. And then um, after he killed his wife, and son, he told the officers that he um, was visiting his ailing mother. He called 911, um, 2021 sheriffs the, uh, um, found out about the $792 missing funds. Alex tells the officers on the scene after he called 911 that he was visiting with his ailing mother and returned to find his wife and son done, dead. On June 10th, Randolph Murdoch III dies peacefully in his home at age 81. Um, June 15th, SLED 
released information about the killing of Alex's wife and son. Um, June 17th, John and Randy, um, Randy, brothers of Alex, um, believed that their brother would not kill um, his, Maggie or his son. On June 22nd, they reopened the case of Stephen Smith and um, from the 2015 in Hamilton County. And because of the information gathered while investigating the deaths of Maggie and Paul, um, that's why they opened the Stevens case or, or Stephen Smith's case again. Um, Alex and um, son Buster announced a $100,000 reward information leading to the conviction of the person responsible for killing Maggie and Paul. And then July 22nd, release of a 911 call by Alex on August the 11th, SLED sharply questioned and um, intimidates that he is a suspect, um, which he denies killing Maggie or his son. On September the 3rd in 2021, Alex, uh, resigns from the law firm, mm -hmm. PMPED, and then mm -hmm. September 4th, Alex calls 911 reports that he is shot. He was shot on the road in Hampton County. He was taken to the hospital and he had hired his cousin, which was his drug dealer, to shoot him. Mm -hmm. So he did the same thing as what Stephen, they reported that Stephen Smith had stopped in the side of the road, but he was, he had, Stephen had run out of gas, but Alex had said that he was fixing his spare tire and some guy come up to him and shot him in the back of the head. Come to find out it was his drug dealer, which was his cousin. And he was going to get off of that scam because he was going to, file a lawsuit. Um, and then on September the 6th, Alex releases statements through his attorney, Dick Harputian, Harputian um, resigning, that he was resigning from the firm and that he was entering his um, rehab or uh, um, going to a, attempt to enter rehab. On September the 7th, um, his law firm, PMPED, said that Alex resigned after he um, violates in, inappropriate fundings. Um, September the 8th, Alex, Alex's license to practice law was suspended. Um, March 2nd, after three hours of deliberation, Alex was finally convicted of all four charges, two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon in, in violent crimes. Um, 20, during, um, back and now back to the boating incident, this was all of the timeline of yeah. all this coming out after, but on the scene of the boating accident, 
There were 20 different law enforcements and none of them questioned Paul. Um, Michael Bach, who was assigned by the DNR to be the lead investigator of um, this investigation that went on, he was the one that was down there and he was a buddy, a, you know, a, a friend of Alex's. And so he wouldn't let anything out. Anthony Cook told him that Paul killed, which Anthony told Michael Brock that Paul killed my girlfriend and in not so many nice words. But when they went back through the um, audio, all of that was taken out. None of that was in any of the transcript. And so a lot of the stuff that was said down on the docks where the accident had had happened was um, somehow deleted out of the transcriptions or transcripts of all of the things. And then Paul, uh, Michael Paul Thomas, who was a very known DNR agent and um, got Paul out of various incidents on all of these, you know, accidents that had happened of him turning over his car, getting to, into car accidents, getting pulled over, um, all of the different things that he might've gotten in trouble for. Um, uh, Paul Thomas or Michael Thomas um, got him out. Um, and he was the best friend of John Marvin Murdoch, which was Alex's brother. So Paul, Michael Paul Thomas was John Marvin's Murdoch's best friend. And um, he was Alex's, and John Marvin was Alex's brother. Um, John, had, um, when the, the investigation, Alex called, or Randolph called um, John Marvin and um, John, John Marvin made numerous calls to Paul, to Michael Paul Thomas. Michael Paul Thomas also called Austin Price, the, um, which, who was the officer at the hospital trying to interview all of the kids. And it also indicated that John Marvin took the trailer um, to the boat and was at the scene. And I don't know that he, it didn't say, they said that they didn't know if he took the boat, but his intentions were to get the boat out of the scene. And I don't know if he was not able to do that, but it was noted that, um, John Marvin um, was seen at the scene down when the accident had taken place. Um, Morgan um, tried telling his, try, 
Morgan tried telling his mom, Maggie, um, that, oh, this was a, um, during the, you know, time that they were fighting back and forth, um, that uh, the relationships were from two, they were from two different worlds and um, Paul's parents took Morgan to the Kentucky Derby final fours. So they lived a whole different world than Morgan and Morgan had tried to tell Maggie um, that Paul's drinking was getting out of control and she blew it off and um, tried to tell her that, you know, and make, tell her that, you know, this is none of your concern. Don't worry about it. And um, she thought that she was, Maggie would put him in rehab, but no, there was no, there was no getting anybody in rehab. They just kind of washed everything under the bridge. They just took care of it themselves. Like I said, they were attorneys. They um, knew people from high places and everybody protected the Murdaws. Um, the, when um, they uh, scene when with all the stuff at the scene, um, they um, everybody, all the parents started saying, um, nobody the. People were saying nobody wanted to mess with the Murdaugh's family. They had all kinds of connections. And then why were five bodies killed and somehow were connected to this very frightening? Um, and it was very frightening to be that above the law. So how can somebody, how can they allow this family to be that above the law and not have to pay any kind of consequences is what I want to know. They, I mean, they were the law. That's the problem is that they yeah, were the lawyers and the judges and they were making what, these rules. Yes. And that's what everybody come to realize at the very end that um, they were above the law and they made the law. And that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. And so was anybody ever held accountable for anything? No, no. Nobody was uh, held accountable. But now yes. Alex, Alex, is, Alex is being account, accounted accountable at the very end because of all of this being swept underneath. Um, it come down to Alex pretty much. I think Alex and Randolph... Um, pretty much did all of the damage, but Randolph died. And then um, well, Paul, killed, Paul, Paul killed his son and his wife. Alex. And I think that he, Alex. I mean, Alex killed Paul because of the trouble and all of this coming out. And yeah. it got to be more than what they could handle. handle and it brought out uh, shame to the family. So, 
and, and Alex was charged with their murders. Yes, and he was charged. He, and that's what I said in um, 2023 on March. Yeah, March recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. March 23. Trial. Yeah, he, that was a live trial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, it, it finally came it finally came to a halt. But for all of that too long. Yeah, for all of that to go on that long and for a death to bring it out. And they weren't even mournful of the death. You know, and that's mm -hmm. what's so sad is they didn't care that their son had killed somebody. They were trying to cover it up. And that's, that's a shame. Yeah. And so Bobby. And, they all, and, and, the and, the, and the five other friends have to live with this for the rest of their lives because they participated in the drinking and, and the partying. And they knew that Paul was out of control when he drank and to keep allowing him to drink or letting, going with him to all these parties and letting him get that drunk. And uh, Morgan's dad had said in one of the interviews that he was hiding something. And I, I really think, you know, he says, he said, he, you drink for a reason and to drink like he did, he's hiding something. And I really think he thought that he was, um, he was looked down on in the family because he didn't want to be a lawyer. He was a black sheep of the family. Um, he, I think that he drank to relieve his pain that his mom and dad instilled on him. And, and then allowing them, you know, the lifestyle that they lived, they taught him that he was above the world, above the law. And during, um, during the boat ride to the, to the oyster roast, Paul had gotten into a fight with Mallory and, and said um, that, what um what was sad was that her dad didn't make enough money to support his family hmm. and so you know that devastated her and you know she was trying to be like they were mm -hmm. she thought that they were the best because they had all this money and and they could go places and they they, you know, they went on trips and they took her on trips and they, when they were um, at Buster's um, graduation, they were staying at a hotel and he got mad at Mallory and was very abusive. And that's what I think really broke up the relationship. And then that's why she didn't want to go on that oyster roast because she was trying to break off all ties. And she had went to work and told Mallory that he had, what he had done, he had gotten on top of her and punched her in the knee and left bruises. And, 
And um, they said, you know, no one should have to put up with that kind of a relationship. And I think that that was the last straw. And then they all went on that trip and they all had second thoughts. They not, not one of them wanted to go. Something was telling them not to go. And, and if they would have all stayed home, it wouldn't have happened. But so something was telling them not to go. If it's a sad. Yeah, it's a downfall of a family. Yeah, it it yeah. really was. Right. <laughs> Probably should have happened. Should right. be a downfall of a family. Yeah, it sucks that it took out yeah. five different people. You know, five lives yeah. had to die because for yeah. it. And just to make their family. I mean, in 2015, when if they would have investigated it more and they didn't have the connections, it would have it wouldn't have it would have unraveled right. back then, and none of the rest right. of the lives would have been paying for this. Right. And then maybe Paul would have gotten into rehab, or maybe he could have right. changed his life. You know, I mean, there's so right. many things that could have changed to make this different but it didn't right everybody you know and it, it was all because of the granddad that enabled them right let's um wrap this up and uh, please Jesse what do you want to tell the people like share and subscribe like, share, if you want to write to us, give us some comments or ask us questions, give us topics, you know, share your thoughts with us at the family school of thought at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Alexa played the family school of thought. <laughs>